Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show. This is the Top Shelf Edition, Season 2, Episode 11. It is your host, David McCaig Jr. Now, of course, I did just say Season 2, Episode 11, but we have been doing hockey editions on the Game Sports Show since 2015. It's just Season 2 of the Top Shelf name, just so I don't get anybody confused. And for the Game Sports Show, make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms if you haven't already. The Game Sports Show is powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. TGEM for short. You can find TGEM on Facebook, Instagram, and of course on the TGEM Network YouTube channel where you can get a variety of podcasts all in one location. The date of this recording is May the 16th, Monday, 2022, and there is a lot to get into in the show, so let's just get right into the agenda. Okay, we're going to be talking about the National Hockey League second round matchups coming up starting tomorrow night, which is May the 17th. We're going to get into some National Hockey League news as well surrounding the coaching in the National Hockey League. And yes, I am going to get into the Toronto Maple Leafs game seven loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who are back to back defending Stanley Cup champions may I add. And of course, to wrap up the show, if we have time, we'll get into some other news and bites if I'm able to, but if I am going to be getting into the local side of an update such as the Sioux Thunderbirds and the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. For those who aren't familiar with those, for listeners outside of Sioux St. Marie, Ontario, the Sioux Thunderbirds are a junior A team out of the Northern Ontario Junior Hockey League and the Sioux Greyhounds are in the Ontario Hockey League. And I'll just be getting an update on those as the Sioux Greyhounds have been eliminated from the OHL playoffs and the Sioux Thunderbirds are getting ready to move on after winning the NLJHL Championship. But as I mentioned, I'll get into that later on in the show. I want to dive right into the second round matchups in the Stanley Cup playoffs 2022. You know, quick little overview of the first round. You had Colorado sweep Nashville. You had St. Louis winning six over the Wild. Calgary winning seven over the Dallas Stars. The Edmonton Oilers winning seven over the Los Angeles Kings. We had the Florida Panthers winning six over the Washington Capitals. And you had the Lightning defeat the Maple Leafs in seven. You had the Carolina Hurricanes defeating the Bruins in seven. And you had the Rangers defeating the Pens in seven for a roundup. Now, I know my bracket took an absolute shit kicking and went into the trash. As I know... A lot of others did as well. But we get second round matchups ready. We got the Colorado Avalanche against the St. Louis Blues. We got the Calgary Flames against the Edmonton Oilers, or better known as the Battle of Alberta. We got the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning. Sunshine State Battle. We got the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers uh, as well as we get into the Elite Eight that are remaining in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, I'm going to dive into each series very briefly and kind of give a little overview of my kind of perspective of that series. And I'm going to start with the Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. Now, before I even dive into that, I want to make sure I remind everyone here that it will be just yours truly for the show. So get ready of just hearing my voice for this entirety of the show going solo. On this episode 11 of Top Shelf is David McCaig Jr., your host here inside the Game Entertainment Media Studios in the Gretzky Corner. The Colorado Avalanche, St. Louis Blues, get into a second round matchup. The St. Louis Blues, I was surprised that they beat the Minnesota Wild. To be honest with you, when I was watching the Wild, I thought they were a tenacious team. I thought they could maybe exploit the Blues on their weaknesses. But you know what? St. Louis just seems so calm. They seem so cool out there in that ice in that series. And to only beat Minnesota in six, I thought that was for sure going seven that series either way. And St. Louis coming out victorious in that series. And you look at the other side, Colorado had an absolute cakewalk with the Nashville Predators. Yes, you can say the goaltending of Soros was there. You know, if UC Soros was there, it would have been different. You know, what matchup could have been changed on Nashville? Honestly, I don't 
think it really mattered who was in that for the Nashville Predators. The Colorado Avalanche were winning that series either way. I did predict the Avalanche in five, so get to see a sweep. I thought maybe there'd be a win in Nashville. We would grind out a grimy win, but didn't happen. The Colorado Avalanche showed absolutely no weakness, and they're showing why they are a favorite uh, going into uh, the playoffs, despite not being President Trophy winners, may I add. Okay, the Florida Panthers are your President Trophy winners. And uh, a lot of the common predictions have been you know, the Florida Panthers, Colorado Avalanche getting the Stanley Cup Finals. And there's also a lot of pools that I know for those in Ontario that thought it maybe be an Avalanche, Toronto Maple Leafs final. And we all know we're not getting that. But you have the Colorado Avalanche going back to the St. Louis Blues in the Colorado Avalanche series. I think this is going to be a very exciting series. Honestly, I, and I mean no offense to the Calgary Flames or the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, the Edmonton Oilers grinding out a win against LA. That's a series that the Edmonton Oilers should have won sooner. Okay, and I think goaltending was a question mark in that series at times. LA showed that they are a team that doesn't quit. They're hardworking, very bright future, you know, but the Amatoya should have won that series, I believe, in five, if at the absolute most six games. But they grinded out, they got the win. That's all that matters. The Calgary Flames, I think they would have won this series in five or six if Ottinger wasn't in net for the Dallas Stars. Ottinger made 64 whatever saves last night, okay, in game seven. Last night being made the 15th was game seven in Calgary, and they won in overtime, the Calgary Flames. If the Dallas Stars didn't have Jake Ottinger in net, this would have been a sweep or five-game win for the Calgary Flames. The Calgary Flames were the better team in this series. They are the better team, but Dallas did play pretty good. They handled their own. They did. But just the way the Calgary is moving the puck around, they just looked like the better team all around in that series. But they did take them to seven and did put them up against the wall. Calgary did walk away. But going back to the Colorado Avalanche, to the St. Louis Blues, this is going to be the series that's going to decide who's going to the Stanley Cup Finals in the Western Conference. Okay, I'm telling you that right now. The Colorado Avalanche are going to win this series, and I think they're going to win it in five. I'm sorry, St. Louis. I know I just say this is going to be an exciting series, maybe a little bit closer, and I mean that in games. St. Louis are going to be in games. They're going to be a surprise in games. The most of this series would go a six. It's not going seven, but I'm saying the Colorado Avalanche are going to win this game in five. They're rested. They're hungry. They're so talented throughout their entirety of the lineup. The St. Louis Blues have shown myself and a lot of other uh, media individuals and just hockey fans in general included that they can grind out wins. They were not a favorite against Minnesota. Minnesota going in that series with a slight edge on the St. Louis Blues. And St. Louis came out on top because they were able to play a defensive game. They had some good goaltending from Bainton as it seems like they went to him instead of Billy Husso for the playoffs, which I wasn't surprised about, you know, Bennington's already won a Stanley Cup. And you have the Colorado Avalanche, who had a little scary issue uh, occur with Kemper. But, you know, goaltending wasn't the wasn't an issue with the Colorado Avalanche because the defensemen are very stacked. Their offense is stacked. They're, they're well coached. This is a team that's deep throughout the entirety of the lineup. And I feel like each time you're on the ice, St. Louis Blues are going to have to really play that matchup game very effectively to even try to contend against the Colorado Avalanche. But the Colorado Avalanche will win the series in five. And I don't want to go too much further into the series because I think despite how entertaining the games will be in the series and how I think that St. Louis is going to put them up against the wall, I mean that more in game action. It won't show in the series result, however, because at the end of the day, at the end of the game, when the final buzzer goes, you're going to be hearing that avalanche goal horn if you're in Colorado or you're going to be hearing the booze. Uh, you're not going to be hearing Gloria in St. Louis, I don't think, with this series. But the St. Louis team did earn my respect even more uh, when they defeated the Minnesota Wild. I really thought Minnesota was going to move on in the series. But... 
hey, who knows? Anything can happen in this series. And I think if there is a surprise series, this would be it out of all the series. I'm just saying that, but I'm not counting on it. Avalanche in five. Battle of Alberta. I'll go on this a little bit extra. The plan with this episode, we're going to try to make sure we keep the episode under a half hour for you for your enjoyment so you get all the content all at one. And just to hear my voice for half hour, you know, maybe you'll get a little bit tired of hearing it for more than a half hour. If you want to hear it more, just go to our special edition uploads, which I will remind you, we'll have a special edition upload this week with Jay Rosehill, former tough guy in the National Hockey League for the Toronto Maple Leafs and, of course, the Philadelphia Flyers. Myself and Brooksy had a great interview that was earlier uh, in, uh, in 2021 that we had that interview. So a little bit of a late upload, but the content, of course, still relevant. Great stories with Jay there. And we're going to have more episodes come up with the Game Sports Show this week, but I'll get to that a little bit later on when I want to get a quick little breath from the content side. Battle of Alberta. Okay, I want to dive into this a little bit. All hockey fans want to see this. Okay, it's like the Sunshine State Battle with the Tampa Bay Lightning and Florida Panthers in Florida. I bet you they're loving it. Okay, obviously Toronto fans would rather see Toronto, Florida. You know, but it's just like when you see the Battle of Ontario. Okay, the battle of the original sixes in Canada for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens that we saw last year. You know, these rivalries are what make the stories in sport, right? This is the type of series that can really define McDavid. The Oilers are going into this series as the, the underdog in this series, okay? But let's not forget that every time the Oilers and the Calgary Flames play against each other, they are grueling, tough matchups, okay? But I'm going to go on the edge on the kind of comparison because this is what I like to do for getting into how do I break down a series, all right? Goaltending. I got to say, even though Markstrom was, you know, at the first little bit of that game seven against Dallas, he did pull up his own. I will say Calgary has the edge in goal. I know Mike Smith has played really, he improved himself throughout the series, he made some saves. And at the end of the day, though, I really strongly think goaltending edge goes to Calgary Flames. So that's one point to Calgary. Defensively, all right? Defensively, again, I got to give the edge to the Calgary Flames. I feel like they're more rounded defensively. The three pairings are more evenly matched. But you know who's been playing really well for the Edmonton Oilers is Duncan Keith. He's the type of guy that can really be big in these games. And Darnell Nurse hasn't been been afraid to throw his head around. Sorry, pun intended. Yeah, he's been not afraid to throw his body around. He's going to really need to do that against the top line of the Calgary Flames. But I still got to give the slight edge to the Calgary Flames in this series on the defensive side. So that's two points on the def- between the Flames, between goaltending and defense. Now, let's get into the forwards for a minute, okay? Calgary Flames have one of the best line, first lines in hockey. And the other line, yes, I'm going to say it, Matthews, Marner, Bunting. Those were, that was a comparable line for the National Hockey League this year when you got Goudreau, uh, uh, Kachuk, and Lindholm. Easy for me to say here. <laughs> but you have the Calgary Flames who have that line. They have also depth to Foley. has been a great add. Of course, and they have some good penalty kill options in their bottom six as well. I feel like they, they have it bought into the system, all right? Milan Lucic likes to throw his body around. I think him and Cassian are going to have a couple goals at it. But McDavid, Dreisaitl, you got the most generational talent uh, in the National Hockey League right now. The best player in National Hockey League is Connor McDavid. I know a lot of people may go on a different side and I'm more of a bias end, but let's get real. When it comes to speed, when it comes to offense, when it comes to gift of playing the game, Connor McDavid is the guy. All right, Connor McDavid, they don't call him Connor McJesus for nothing. All right, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are guys that can really balance out this series in terms of those two other points that I mentioned. If McDavid 
he walked, what was it, four Rangers this season in that more highlight reel goal. The guy makes a highlight every time. He, he's, he doesn't stop. He wants the puck. And when McDavid wants to win, he can take it and carry it. And when he doesn't have an option to score, as long as his wingers can get open, he'll find them. All right, guys like Evander Kane, Zach Hyman, Yamamoto, those are, and even the bottom ender guys that are in the bottom six, the Warren Fogles, those are going to be the guys that are going to be really dependent on this series to really grind out those, again, I've used this term a couple times, the grimy wins. And the Oilers are going to make this amazing, this series. I truly do think so. But despite the talent that Helmick David can change a series, the thing that's going to be really beneficial to the Oilers is if they can have a special teams advantage throughout the entirety of the series and stay out of the box. If Evander Kane can contain himself, Darnell Nurse can contain himself to a degree, um, and Evan Bouchard can keep his stick in the proper areas in the lanes, I really think that the Calgary Flames will be in trouble if they take more penalties. I feel like you can draw more penalties with Calgary because of Lucic, because of Kachuk. Even though Kachuk is a pro guy that draws more penalties, no, you can really suck him in uh, to really take some penalties. And they got some D guys that will do the same. Nikita's a door off Erica Branson on Calgary those are guys that if you that are really strong defensively okay but if you get in a scrum the rest got to pull out a guy or if you get under their skin those are the type of guys you want to go after okay but the Oilers got to think focus on a little bit of skill and utilizing their speed this series is not going to be a cakewalk for either team and the team that's going to win. No, they're going to have to grime it out. And when they go into the conference final, the winner of this team, they're going to have a uh, very talented Colorado Avalanche team waiting for them. Okay. And honestly, the special team advantage, if the Oilers can get more penalty or power play time, that is going to be a benefit, a deciding factor in the series. Okay. And yes, I will talk about that in the Toronto series as well. People are probably waiting for my comment with that, but Connor McDavid, you do want do not want special teams on the ice for the Edmonton Oilers if you're the Calgary Flames. McDavid will exploit it. He'll find dry sidle. He'll find ways. Got Hyman in front. They will get goals. So the Calgary Flames actually, despite how they want to be rough and how they want to hit, they need to be smart because they don't want to play shorthanded. Because then I think in a five-on-five game, will you be able to contain McDavid? Not too many people can contain McDavid, okay? But if you can keep him to the outside somehow, block off the shooting lane, the the passes somehow, keep him at least at a minimum one point a game, (laughs) maybe two, because you can score a lot as the Calgary Flames, you should win hockey games. So special teams, in my eyes, are going to play a big factor in deciding games in this series, for real. Who's going to be more disciplined? Who's going to get caught into the drama in this Battle of Ontario scrum and battle in general? It's right in the title. Battle of Alberta, it's going to be a battle, okay? The Calgary Flames have the home ice advantage, which is big. Calgary's been rocking. Edmonton's going to be rocking. You know, they have... they um, they 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 have fan bases that are passionate and that are really hungry to win, okay? You know... The Edmonton Oilers and Calgary Flames are going to provide excitement. And this series is going to go seven. I hope everybody knows that. I don't think a team's going to walk another team, as I mentioned. But going seven, I am going to say that the Calgary Flames will defeat the Edmonton Oilers in seven games. And I know co-hosts of the Game Sports Show and the Top Self Editions here, Dane Hantrow, will maybe will not like that comment. And a lot of uh, Canadians that have followed the Oilers, and a lot of them do in Ontario, and friends of mine may not like that comment. But I just think that the Calgary Flames having the edge in certain areas is going to be big. And as long as they can stay out of the box and keep McDavid off of the ice in terms of special teams and play that more five-on-five game, they'll win. But you know what? 
Do I count out the Oilers? Absolutely not. I do got to sit here and give you a prediction, though, because that's what we do on top shelf when it comes to playoff times. We give predictions. Despite how my predictions were absolute shit last round, and I'm only going to give predictions up until the conference finals. I'm not predicting no cup finals right now, just so everybody knows. Uh, I Just to give a prediction, that is where my instinct is leaning towards. But it's going to be very close. And the winner of Game 7 will win by one game. And I do predict Calgary is going to be a team that's going to be last standing, but it's going to be a grueling grueling battle and key success overall special teams discipline mcdavid calgary's got to watch and i think for edmonton edmonton's end smith needs to outplay markstrom and also mcdavid needs to play on the mcjesus level to make the team around him better and gain that momentum in that first game you got to split those first two games in calgary shut up the crowd early win that first game give that seed of doubt in their mind and then you just ride the momentum can go either way but i gotta pick the calgary flames in this one i told you what the key success are and what the main areas are they're gonna lead to success you can let me know what you think but it's good to see that we're gonna have a canadian goal a canadian team sorry go to the conference finals fantastic to see it would have been nice to maybe have the opportunity for another one from another side of the conference but that's unfortunately will not be occurring but the Edmonton Oilers grind out a victory against LA the Dallas Stars losing to Calgary in seven Ottinger was the big reason why I think Calgary is going to be in a little bit different circumstance unless Mike Smith can channel a Jake Ottinger spirit in them for the series there might be a little bit of a asterisk if you will for this series but again leave your comments below uh, for the first two predictions if you want let's get to the third one the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, okay? The Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, it is. it pains me to say, and I'm going to get into talking about Toronto, as I mentioned in the agenda, but this is going to be a very exciting series. It is. You know, but if Florida plays the same way that they did against Washington, against Tampa, Tampa Bay is going to win this series in less than six. I'm going to tell you right now. I was watching Washington and Florida games when I had the opportunity. And Washington found a way to exploit the Florida Panthers in terms of maybe goaltending. Defense didn't seem the same for Florida that it should be. And it just seemed like that they weren't ready for that playoff type feel. You know, it, it's comparison to Toronto. I really feel that they're, they're missing some of those pieces, right? <clears throat> and... The Florida Panthers have a lot of pieces and a lot of good players in place. But, you know, Tampa's coming off a grueling seven-game series against a team that pushed them to the wall. And Florida's coming off a six-game series where, honestly, it was mere seconds away before Washington could have been up 3-1 in that series. And it could have changed the whole complexity of the entire NHL playoffs. You know, it's amazing when your back's against the wall what you can do as a team. And Florida did pers persevere and, you know, find a way to win and win back-to-back -back games and uh, ultimately end up winning and come back to win the Series 4-2 after being down 2-1 uh, the series. So they found ways to win, all right? And Florida, I shouldn't have any doubts. Maybe they go back to the drawing board, they watch the video, but I think the team that's most prepared going into the series is the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Florida Panthers are, in my opinion, a better team in terms on paper, offensively. Defensively, I thought I would say Florida. Nope. Nope. Uh, it is Tampa. Watching Tampa, Chernick, Hedman, McDonough, just, and even Foot has been looking good. And then what I find about Tampa that can they do more than Florida, they make a wall in front of Vasilevsky, and they already have a brick wall in Vasilevsky behind them. Maybe he has illegal equipment on, <laughs> really too big, but... They find a way. 
and the depth of the Tampa Bay Lightning, despite how Florida might have more impressive offense, the depth of Tampa, they're more built for playoff hockey. The Nick Paul, who had the game of his life in Game 7, Ross Colton, okay? The, the guy, the, the Brand uh, Hagel was fantastic, despite the, how they overpaid for him in the season. He's been doing well in the first seven games of the playoffs. That is what's going to be deciding, despite how the offense is better on Florida. The depth, is, is, I think, is better in terms of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, you can look at Mason Marchment. You can look at the Sam Bennett's, the Carter Verhage. Yeah, I, I get it. Okay. But uh, when it comes to going down, battling in the corner, I'm taking Nick Paul over Carter Verhage in the corner. I'm taking Ross Colton over Mason Marchment. Yes, tough motherfucker Marsh, Mason Marchment is. But let me tell you, I'm taking Colton out of that. Hagel, he's going to grind. He's going to take a beating. But he might walk out of that corner as well. And you have on the defensive side, McDonough's got a rocket. Hedman just stops everything. Okay, the guy is the best defenseman in the National Hockey League. No offense to McCarr or Yossi. Hedman is the best all-around defenseman still in the National Hockey League. Now, the way I'm talking, everyone's going to be saying, oh, Dave, you must be going with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Listen, I, I truly do think that the Florida Panthers are an equal match to Tampa. For real, I do give Tampa a little bit of an edge because of their preparation. So now, to choose who I think is going to win this series, it will be the Tampa Bay Lightning. I want Florida to win this series. Joe Thornton reasons, Claude Giroux reasons, just that story. But sitting here and people that may look at this show in terms of maybe making bets on it, I don't know, or just getting that honest opinion, the Tampa Bay Lightning is going to win this series. If I had to sit down and someone said, Dave, you have to pick a series. You got to bet your house on it. You got to bet your bank account on it, which, you know, is nothing really impressive, anyways. But you have to bet your most valuable thing on it. Anything. Bet your life on it. I'm picking the Tampa Lightning. You can't go against the back to back champs and watching them play seven games, watching the Toronto Tampa Bay series closely, and then looking at the comparison of what Florida had to do against Washington. You know, unless Florida steps up their game, they're in trouble. I'm telling you right now, they're in trouble. So my quote-unquote sports expert opinion is a Tampa Bay Lightning, but I do want the Florida Panthers to win. I want the, I want that on the record. And if the Florida Panthers do win, I'll be happy to be wrong with that for a lot of different reasons. And in how many games, you ask, that will the Tampa Bay Lightning win? Six. Tampa Lenny will win in six. They will win on home ice. And disappointment will be along the faces of Giroux and Thornton and all the Florida Panthers fans, unfortunately, as we see Tampa move on to the conference finals. Like I said, go Panthers, go. But I cannot ignore the facts and where I think the advantages are in goal, even defensively, despite how stacked people may think Florida is. Nope, I, it's something about Tampa's uh, Tampa's defensive core. Offensively, yeah, little edge there to Tampa if you look at the paper, but when you look at what the depth options have in Tampa and what they can do to step up, okay, as long as Vasilevsky makes those saves and he has those God-type numbers, it's going to be a challenge. Again, I'll repeat it. Tampa Bay Lightning, six games over Florida, but I am cheering for Florida in this series. Going to go a little quicker between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers because I, of course, hitting the 23-minute mark or so here. I'm trying to keep this addition about a half hour. Uh, the New York Rangers were down 3-1 to one 
to the Pittsburgh Penguins, okay? Shesterkin looked beatable, okay? And I think Carolina's going to use that to an advantage. But they battled back. You know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, battled injuries. They battled goaltending issues. And I'll be honest, they were one of the fan bases that didn't complain, which was awesome to see, by the way. Kudos to Penguins fans. Nothing but respect for the Penguin fans. You know, the, the Rangers did come back. They 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 found a way to win games, and yes, I think injuries had something to do with it. I think if Pittsburgh was healthy all around from the beginning of that series, New York wouldn't have won. Uh, th- that uh, or may have not may have not won if they were down three one. May I add? But of course, I can say that I did pick the Rangers to win this series, right? I did say they would likely win this series in seven. If I want to rewind that correctly, either way, six or seven, whatever I may have said, I was right about it. The Rangers are the better team. Okay, but when I talk about how the Pittsburgh Penguins, if they were healthy, they wouldn't have won. If the Pittsburgh Penguins, what I mean by that is if they're up 3-1, they wouldn't have blown that 3-1 lead if everybody was healthy and at 100%. I don't think they would have. But the Rangers were the favorite going in, and I'm not surprised that they did walk away in the series. But this is where the Rangers are going to be really tested. Now, the big advantage here for the Rangers is the health of Freddie Anderson. Okay, Ranta. But Ranta played well in Game 7 for the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't really have question marks with their goaltending. Their defense, defense is really good. I just think the Rangers might have a little bit of an edge offensively. And that might be good for getting those opportunities to the net. But Carolina's D is going to really have to step up and contain that kind of push by the Rangers. But to have home ice is really key to start off a series. But I do predict the Carolina Hurricanes winning this series in six. Uh, The Carolina Hurricanes are a very good team. They're well coached, much like the Rangers as well. But the New York Rangers, I think, are going to have a little bit of a difficult time just defeating the overall team that Carolina is from top to bottom. They're very aggressive. They're hard on the walls. They hit you hard. That might affect some of the younger guys with the Rangers. Maybe, maybe not. Despite how the offense could be in the Rangers' way, I think that the speed of the Carolina Hurricanes is going to really draw penalties. It's going to really open up the game. It's going to spread out the D more. It's going to give them the opportunity to work the puck around and drive the net. And they do have some good snipers. And obviously in Sebastian Ajo, they have Tara Vinen. Uh, Max Domi really stepped up in Game 7. If they can have that depth scoring, it's going to add that extra piece. Someone who I've always wanted in the blue and white, Max Domi, may I add. The Carolina Hurricanes will win the series in six. So you will have a conference final matchups of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Carolina Hurricanes, Calgary Flames, and Colorado Avalanche. But I will reiterate, I am cheering for the Panthers uh, in these rounds in particular. Now, that has been the second round preview, okay, and I'm at the 26-minute mark. Let's get real. I probably won't hit a half hour, but I'm going to dive in to talk about Toronto a little bit on my end, and then we're going to do a quick little update on the coaching uh, adjustments in the National Hockey League, and then we're going to get into more of the coaching stuff on the next edition of Top Shelf. Uh, I'll save some other news and points I was going to bring up for uh, the next edition, but as I want to make sure I give some local love here with the Game Sports Show. The Toronto Maple Leafs, okay, I'm sitting here right now in the TGM office in the Gretzky corner of the game sports show. And, you know, I thought everyone thought this year was going to be different. Everyone believed that it was a shitty draw getting the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes, you finish the top five in the league and you get the back to back champs. And in previous years, if you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I did text some friends and, oh, here we go, right? You lost game six, tough loss, right? And, you know, the 
different years when it comes to last year against the Montreal Canadiens, they were very flat-footed. They blew a 3-1 series lead. It was more humiliating. It wasn't the same team this year. It wasn't the same team as Columbus. It wasn't the same team as the Boston series. You look at it and say, yeah, well, you have Matthews, you have Marner, you have Tavares. Yeah, there are players that are there. People forget that Morgan Riley has been there since basically 2013. And again, I am not upset at the way the Toronto Maple Leafs played that series. And I am going to speak to you not only as a sports host right now, I'm going to speak to you as a Leaf fan. I know there's a lot of Leaf fans out there that are in a lot of pain. Trust me, I am too. I always say that I feel like I'm the most faithful Leaf fan in the world and I'm the most loyal and the most uh, passionate, everything. Then I look at social media, I see people's basements and I see things. I guess I'm not the only one out there. Jokes aside on that point, I feel the pain. It still bothers me today. It is Monday the 16th. They lost on Saturday the 14th in a very close game. Okay, and the Toronto Maple Leafs played that series well. They did. Yeah, there was a couple games that got away from them, but we can get into the sides of that if you want to talk about refing, if you want to talk about this. Listen, I'm not going to get into the full detail of that. I do have a comment about the refereeing, but Toronto, the stars showed up. Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Riley, Campbell played great. I don't care what anybody says. Nylander, you know, everyone questions about how soft he is. You know, I'll be honest. When it comes to going in the corner, absolutely. There's not a guy that I don't want in the corner less than William Nylander. But the guy actually played well this series. Look at his point totals that he got. I have no debate about how he played. You know, you put Nylander with Tavares and maybe you get a big power forward type guy on that line. Uh, it's someone other than Mikhaev or Kerfoot. You know, then I think that you have a different outcome on that line. That presence would be huge. Willie Nylander could just float around, get the puck, pass it to Johnny and score goals. And Johnny could be that guy low, but I'm getting sidetracked. I am not upset with the way he played. There's only one Leaf that I was upset with this entire playoffs, and it was Justin Hall. And he actually made up, he made some good plays playing, but he made a lot of bonehead plays as well. I think that he's played his last shift in Toronto, and I feel like Dubas is going to find a way to ship him out of town. But you have the Toronto Maple Leafs, a series that battled, that showed that they cared. Even when they were out of games, they came back and battled. They played down to the final minute as best they could. They gave it their all. And that is what's different about this team. People are going to say that the same narrative, why us, it's bullshit. They got to blow it up or they got to do this. They got to do that. Listen to yourself. Matthews just scored 60 goals, had a career year. Marner, career year. Nylander, career year. You can sit there and chirp Tavares. The guy did have a rough year, and I'm one to say right now that I yelled at the TV a couple times at Tavares as well with the New York. It's not the same guy as the New York Islanders story. It's definitely not. It's not the guy that was the first year in Toronto when he got over 80 points. It's a different guy. But again, you know, maybe it's his line mates. Well, no, you got Willie Nylander, but is it, are they missing that one piece? I don't know. Hey, last I remembered, John Tavares is playing with B.A. Parento and Calo Pozo, and if you want to know where those guys are right now, listen. Tavares was in a different role in the Islanders. And for him to come over to Toronto, it's a whole different game. You got Matthews, Marner, they, you're, it's a different layout for him. Okay, And a lot of pressure on John Tavares. He's the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, for goodness sake. Imagine that, the pressure. He knows how bad everyone wants a Stanley Cup. Listen, I, like I said, I feel like I'm the number one Leafs fan in the world. 
I feel like I criticism, uh, the criticism, sorry, for the least on my behalf is big. And I criticize them a lot. I find a way every game to maybe get mad at a player. But that's just me being a fan. You know, if, and by being mad at the players, if they make a mistake, say, oh, what a bonehead move, right? But it's not me on the ice right now. I didn't make it to that level. <laughs> We're sitting here thinking that these guys don't care. And we say they're sick and tired. They're crying. Marner and Mitch, uh, Mitch Marner, Matthews, Campbell, those guys are passionate and really care. Spencer, Giordano. This was a team. I loved this team. This team was perfect, for real. You could sit there and chirp soup all you want. You can, you can, you can give a little bit of, uh, you know, controversy towards the referees, Alex Kerfoot, and listen. There's a lot of different points that could have changed over in this series, but Tampa Bay found a way to battle back. Vasilevsky stepped up. Everyone stepped up on that ice. There was not one player. I know I mentioned Justin Hall, but even though he didn't even play that bad the last two games, or, well, game seven, game six, and yeah, okay, very suspect to have him on the ice in general. But again, overall, both teams played their heart out and played really well. Tampa Bay just found the way to win. They found that ingredient. And like Stamco said, like John Cooper said, you won't see a series like that for the rest of the playoffs. You may sit there and think, well, Tampa Bay Lightning are just saying that. No, they're not. Stamco said, well, they got, like, look at his comment for Steven Stamkos. Oh, they got the pieces. It's just, just the way it goes. He actually thought about that answer. He knows that the pieces in place here in Toronto are the right pieces. He basically just mentioned that they need that extra piece still. They're there. As Matthew said, we're right there. We're right there. And they are. It's just the luck of the draw. You draw the Tampa Bay Lightning for this series, that back-to-back champs, a team that's built for playoff hockey. And look what happens. You go into a seven game, try to slay those demons, and you know what? I think they did in a way. They battled. The stars showed up. There was stars that aligned in this series. We just didn't have the outcome. And by we, I mean the fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't have the outcome that they wanted. And I've went on to so many different factors, and I'm sitting here at the 34-minute mark of the edition, four minutes over than I wanted to, and I can suspect they're probably going to hit the 40-minute mark or so now. But speaking of that, there's a lot to say about Toronto. And I'll quickly again sum it up now. The Leafs played well, and I'm not mad. I am heartbroken. I'm upset that they're not going on. I'm fed up of losing every first round. And that sucker, uh, that sucker for pain analogy used for Leaf fans uh, to seem so fitting, right? You know, we had such a historic year as a franchise, and then the Leafs lose in the first round. And as I said at the top of this kind of point with Toronto, I'm going to speak to you as a, as a fan of Toronto. And I want to speak to you not only just as a sports, I guess, Host is the term I want to use. I don't want to use the term expert as much because I'm not going to proclaim myself as that despite where I am with the show. I want to speak to you as a fan of it because I am sitting on the other side of the screen and I have the playoff tree up right on my screen and seeing that Toronto has the gray out, right, the fade, and they haven't moved on again. I want people to 
think of this. There's I've been alive since 1991, and the Leafs haven't made it past the first round since 04. That's over 18 years. The Leafs have broken a record where they're the first team in MLB, NHL, NA, uh, NBA history where they haven't got out of the first round five years in a row, breaking other records, right? And I said I was getting to the summary point and getting to that and continuing into that, I should say, that they played their heart out and they did what they had to do and they didn't lose because they didn't show up. They didn't, not that they showed that they didn't care. They played hard and I was proud to be a Leaf fan in this series, for real. I truly was. I'm not happy with the outcome. I'm in pain. I'm in terms of being sad. It would be nice to see Toronto move on. But it wasn't in the cards this year. But every Leaf fan out there right now says, blow it up, do this, burn in your jersey if you've done that. Or just remember that this was probably the best performance we've seen in the playoffs since they've started getting back in the playoffs after 2013. And this team battled all year. Slow start. Look what they did. They came out and got it together. And they showed us that they have heart, the stars, that they can show up in the big game. As fans, I, we should be proud that we supported them as much as we did in the playoffs. It was great to see the building loud at Scotiabank Arena. Fantastic. And yes, getting to the point of pain and trying to wrap up this long abbreviated summary. There is pain that we're going to feel now. I do strongly believe one day there will be happiness. And I think it's going to happen very, very soon. And when the happiness does occur, it's going to happen for more than one year in a row. Let me guarantee that. I will game sports show and even put T-Gem on that, that we'll get the guarantee. Will it be next year? I hope so. But overall, Fans should be excited about what they saw in this playoffs. Be sad. Be upset that they lost. Know that they also feel the same way. They truly do. I really believe that they do. Last year, I didn't think so because Marner was golfing 24 hours after. I truly believe that they do feel this way, that they do care, that they do want to win, and I was proud how, how they performed. It's a shitty outcome. I don't like the outcome. I wish it was different, but again. We saw a good Leafs team on the ice, but Tampa was the better team in this series. Now, I talked about my point of summary there. The thing that I will bring up additionally is the refereeing. The referees in this series, okay, I, I'm not going to use any excuses to sit there for the Toronto Maple Leafs and say that, yeah, you know, they if the refs didn't do this, they would have won. And you look at the the goal by John Tavares, if that was a penalty, look, in the regular season, that's a penalty. In the playoffs, that is most likely a penalty. Hall had no business to really go down there anyways, okay? But, it, yeah, it was a soft, very soft call, okay? And the whole duration of that series were full of soft calls. You know, there was a lot of media releases today, and I'm going to read something to the fans here, that the referee pairing of Kevin Pollock and TJ Luxmore have not advanced to calling any games in round two and beyond. Uh, they handled the Bruins-Canes game one, Caps-Panthers game two, Leafs-Bolts game four. In game four, the Leafs were forced to, de to deploy their penalty killers eight times, while Tampa only had to do it three times in the contest. It was the most lopsided game in terms of penalties in the series and possibly the entire first round. Unfortunately, uh, any of the refs cut that worked Leafs Bowl Series is coming a little too late, and this is as per the 
uh, the the article, reading it word for word, given that the series was the most penalized one out of all the first round matchups. The Leafs were 15th most penalized team in the league. Magically, okay, reading this exactly again, shorthanded 50 plus minutes more than Tampa was in this series. For contents, for context, sorry, Tampa was the third most penalized team in the regular season. So Toronto was 15th, Tampa was third. The Leafs were shorthanded 50 plus minutes more in this series. Discipline, discipline. But a lot of the penalties were soft. I'm not going to sit here and chirp the referee and blame the ref. Yes, those determined outcome of this series. If the referee wasn't like that, Toronto likely wins game six. I will say that to you. But it didn't happen that way. The thing that annoyed me the most was the inconsistency. That's all I ask as a fan. When you're a referee in game seven, and you have the whistles away for the first 10 minutes, and all of a sudden you start blowing penalties, and you put it back in your pocket. I don't like that. Game six, you're calling everything. Listen, that first play with Camp wasn't a high stick. Kerfoot's was definitely a high stick to Hedman. His stick was in his fucking throat. Okay, but what led to that was the first penalty. Then it led to a five-on-three, which led to a tying goal, which led to the overtime winner for the Tampa Bay Lightning to force game seven. Look at Toronto in game four. They were short. Right? A lot, of, a lot of issues. The first game, they got right behind the eight ball with Clifford's head and the five-minute major and battling off penalties. The Leafs, you can sit there and say, we're not disciplined. But ultimately, there were a lot of calls that went more in Tampa's way than Toronto's way, for sure. The refs did miss. You can look at the Matthews jersey hold for five seconds. which ultimately led him to go up the ice, and then he ultimately fouled, which a, scene of event, a sequence of events led to another event that led to a goal, if you really want to get that exact. And you look at a lot of other missed calls that Tampa missed. And I'm sure there was more on Toronto that I'm not talking about as well. But obviously, Toronto played enough shorthanded, so it seems like I shouldn't be nitpicking what Toronto did. So the referee did play a part in the series, absolutely. But Toronto should have been more disciplined. Heck, Tampa should have been more disciplined. But all I ask for as a fan is that the referee is more consistent. So if there's anyone that's a re- the referee, and I know we work with a lot of close individuals that are really passionate about working with referees. I know a lot of people that are refs. You know, it's, it's hard to see that in real time in a game. Heck, people get mad at men's league games. But all I ask is is the consistency. And of course, Toronto got the fucking raw end of the stick and they got screwed over in terms of getting the extra calls. But ultimately, Tampa Bay won this series and we got to stop as fans putting the blame on the refs and that's why they lost. Toronto lost because Tampa found a way to win and they were the better team in Game 7. And ultimately, are they the better team? I'm not going to say Tampa's the better team, but they were in Game 7. Okay. As an all-around team, they found a way to win. But I will say again, the refereeing was not consistent, and that's what upsets me as a fan, and that's what I want to see fixed. Is that If you're going to not call penalties for the beginning of the game, but call them later, don't do that. Be consistent from the, start, the drop of the puck until the last buzzer. That's all we ask as not just Lee fans, but as hockey fans. Refs got to find a way to be more consistent, much like how umpires have to be better in baseball and some circumstances NBA with basketball as well. Okay? But I will ultimately say again, despite how the referee and all the numbers do prove that Toronto was on the raw end of the stick and that did really mess up their chances, I don't want to use that as an excuse. 
let's hope Toronto can regroup and go into the offseason, getting ready for next year, where hopefully we can have that happiness. And again, speaking to you as a fan, we being Toronto Maple Leaf fans. Now, I'm going to get into more of this in the next upcoming Top Shelf Editions, but for those people that are Toronto fans that are really thinking, oh, they're going to blow up the team, they're going to do this, listen, sit down, shut up, they're not. Dubas isn't going anywhere. I don't think Keith's going anywhere. Shannon, not going anywhere. Uh, you're going to see some players move out because of expiring contracts, that being Ilya Mikheyev. They have some RFAs to deal with, Lilia Grin and Sandine. They also have UFAs, Spencer and Giordano. I really feel like they're going to try to bring back both. Uh, both veteran presence are a really big asset. Uh, Justin Hall, I think, played his last game as a Leaf. Uh, Mrazek, I feel like they'll try to trade him if they can, if anyone's willing to take that contract. If not, there's a buyout. It's actually a pretty affordable buyout uh, for the next few years. I think that would be a good decision to do overall and the things that Toronto needs to add is if, if there's pieces that they're missing I would say a top six guy that could be uh, both you know put up numbers but also can be that a driving force that can assist Tavares and Nylander and if they can find a discounted price like how they got a diamond in the rough with bunting that'd be a great fit for that line Kerfoot I think they need to move that contract and find a more serviceable third line center camp really found that this year maybe you go with camp again next year on the third line and just balance out some of the wingers uh, Mikhaev is going to ask for a lot of money you're going to have to find a way to replace him I don't think you're going to have him return so you're going to have a very similar team come back but I'm hoping Dubas can take the advantage of moving out some pieces due to people that aren't a fit but as well as decide to leave uh, to bring in some other assets I think from a younger prospect perspective Nick Robertson uh, is maybe somebody more attractive to give a chance to but I feel like there are some availabilities out there but the biggest change that is going to be the question mark one of the offseason is if Jack Campbell is going to be returning or not. Apparently, the Leafs have offered money, but they're worlds apart in terms of, of, of contract desire, and Campbell might be looking at more $5 million. Listen, I'm a big Jack Campbell fan, my favorite goalie in the league, and nothing else. No other goalie I want to see win. No offense to Carey Price, who I'm a fan of, believe it or not, despite him being a, a Habs goaltender. I don't know if, uh, despite how good Jack played, is he truly the guy to get us to the finals and win? Yeah, I really think that he can. But to spend $5 million on Jack Campbell, who just finally played a, a starter-type season, but he didn't even play a, as much as we wanted him to as Lee fans because he was injured. He does have an injury history. Is it better to look at somebody who's hitting the open market or is it look at potentially a trade? Yes, John Gibson's out there, but what would it cost to get him? Right, A lot of question marks. Dubas is going to have to answer. We're going to get into some of the off-seasons that could occur, not just for the Leafs, for all the Canadian teams and the Red Wings, but as well as the whole entire NHL as the off-season years. It's still playoff time. But for those, I want to make sure I mention, for those who think Dubas and they're going to clean house, they're not going to clean house. The core will return. Dubas will be there. And I trust that they will make the necessary moves. But I will say, if they don't get out of the first round next year or even win next year, Dubas will be relieved of his duties. Now, let's get into the NHL coaching vacancies. We're now hitting 47 minutes. That means I'm 17 minutes over the allowed time here today. God, must be having a good time getting carried away. Hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. The Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment Media. You can see all of our sponsors on our website, thegamesportshow.com. A full list of sponsors in there that you can check out. And I want to give a little special shout-out love to Thrush Creative Co. Uh, Aaron Robinson did a fantastic job on the Game Sports Show website. The new T-Gem logo. Listen, he's on social media. If you want to get in touch with him, if you want to have 
any of your needs met in terms of small business with web and graphic design and months, months more that he offers, just reach out to me or check him out on social media. And I want to make sure I give you a reminder that our 1400 AM edition with myself, Scott Nation, and Butch Davis and the crew, we will be having that edition tomorrow, May the 17th on 1400 AM News Talk Radio, just so you know that's why this edition is on Monday. And we kind of did a little flip-flop. NHL coaching vacancies is the next topic I said I would get into. I will go into this quickly as per ESPN.com. Current job openings are the Detroit Red Wings as they did not renew and will not be renewing Jeff Blaschel. And the Philadelphia Flyers, Mike Yo will not be returning. Uh, he was the interim coach. Uh, you have the, the Golden Knights today, May the 16th. They fired Peter DeBoer. Shocked by that, even though they didn't make the playoffs. I'm very shocked that they let him go. They had a lot of injury problems this year. They didn't have a full team, a full year of health. I feel like that is a mistake by the Vegas Golden Knights, but maybe because Barry Trotz came available and there's a little bit of potential fit, then maybe Barry Trotz goes to Vegas. Maybe that's why Vegas is jumping on that. The Winnipeg Jets... They also have a coach vacancy uh, with, of course, Paul Maurice be, uh, stepping down early in the year, but uh, they have the interim tag on Dave Lowry, and he will get an interview, they mentioned, but I don't know if he will be the head coach that they select, especially with some of them that are available even after today. Hirings, the New York Islanders hired Lane Lambert. He was a longtime assistant coach under Barry Trotz. Why not? It was working before the formula with Trotz. He had a struggling year this year, but... Why not give a chance to somebody who's been there serving? And I think the Islanders made a good move here. They'll be a team that will be certainly looking at some tweaks. The teams that have interim coaches, the Chicago Blackhawks have Derek King there. Edmonton Oilers, Jay Woodcroft is an interim coach. You know that's going to be changing, though, as next year comes around. The Florida Panthers, Andrew Burnett. Uh, I would say that Burnett is going to be taking over, likely, as well as a coach. And, of course, uh, you know, you're going to have Martin St. Louis already returning uh, next year with the Montreal Canadiens. So there's going to be some movement in the terms of the coaching. Listen, Pete, Peter DeBoer and Paul Maurice are good friends. How do I know that? I do know Paul Maurice, and he has been on this show. And I will tell you right now that I feel like DeBoer is a good fit for the Winnipeg Jets. But I do think the Winnipeg Jets have to be more active and making moves. Make, if it's moving Shifley, moving guys out, spending money in the offseason, trying to make moves and building a team that's both exciting and hard to play against. That's what Winnipeg needs, and that's what I think Peter DeBoer, you know, with some of his background, you know, maybe he'd want to go a team that's more of a win now, but in terms of openings, the only team that maybe is that uh, was the New York Islanders, okay, and was the Vegas Golden Knights. Philadelphia is not a team that's looking to win now, nor is Detroit, and I don't think Toronto's getting around Shelton Keys. So I don't think he's throwing that in the wind. Trust me, that's not happening. So I think the good fit for DeBoer would be go to the Winnipeg Jets. And why I bring up Paul Maurice is because I think Paul Maurice can talk very, very positively to Pete DeBoer about Winnipeg and how he can make changes there. And I think Pete DeBoer would be a good fit for Winnipeg. Barry Trotz in Vegas, that's my prediction right now, absolutely. And I don't really have a lot in terms of giving you options for the Philadelphia Flyers or the Detroit Red Wings in terms of openings. I think the both teams are going to go off the grid uh, and maybe hire somebody that's within their system uh, or somebody who we're not thinking of. And I think someone who makes things very interesting is Paul Maurice. And if I had to say Paul Maurice was going somewhere, though, just Detroit just sounds so much better than, yes, Philadelphia, but than him not being employed 
but just sounds so much better than anybody else going there because it's close to Detroit, Michigan's close to Emory, Ontario, where Paul Maurice is from. I feel like he can be excited to work with a lot of young guys. And, of course, he's been in the league a long time, very experienced coach, very strong voice. The Wings, I think, should be looking at Paul Maurice to say in that right now. That's a little background with the ter- current openings, interim coach tags, who's available, who got fired, but DeBoer getting relieved uh, today and Lane Lambert and hired by the New York Islanders. That has been the NHL discussion. Here on the Game Sports Show, as I said, going into overtime here, as we always do, we can't settle it in regulation time, and we always go into continuous OT here in the Game Sports Show, even when it's just me, yours truly, David McKegg, who's brought you this Top Shelf Edition Season 2, Episode 11. Going to give a quick shout-out to the local side. Uh, for those, again, who are being, rem- I'm going to remind the local side, is about Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario sports in terms of hockey, going quickly to the Ontario Hockey League. Sault Ste. Marie Grounds lost in five to the Flint Firebirds. Flint was a very, ex- very exciting team this year, and there's a lot of over agers on the hounds that were upset all of them were that the flint was just too dominant of a team i thought maybe the hounds had the ability to push us to six or seven i did have faith in them winning obviously with not just being a, a fan but it's just a, a sports uh, analyst expert whatever tag as you fans and listeners and followers want to give me the hounds were in a position that was difficult for them okay and Flint ended up walking away. The better team did win that series. And the Sioux Greyhounds, there's a lot of things to look forward to still. I think for the future, this team has done very well ever since even when Dubas was the GM. Yeah, they haven't had the victories that a lot of people want, and they criticize how they're not a playoff team, and etc. But really, this has been a very exciting team that they put together year in and year out. And I think that's going to continue going forward. And I think next year, they're going to ice a very exciting product on the ice. So congratulations to the Susanna Greyhounds. You were able to listen to them on Rock 101, which is our sister station through our 1400 AM edition that you hear on usually Mondays. They'll be for the near future for a little bit, be on Tuesdays with Scott Nason and the Game Sports Show USA. Uh, but sister station through the 1400 AM show, Rock 101, Jerry Lenscombe Jr. did a great job this year with the Greyhounds. And again, the Greyhounds losing in the second round to the Flint Firebirds in five games. Now on to the Sioux Thunderbirds who are going to be attending the Centennial Cup in Estevan, Saskatchewan. The 2022 Centennial Cup, the Sioux Thunderbirds will be representing the Northern Ontario Junior Hockey League after being down 3-0 in the NOJHL Finals and finding a way to reverse sweep Hurst and come back and win 4-3. Very exciting fashion as well. Winning in overtime. Like, what else is better? You're, if you're playing major junior, tier two junior, whatever junior you're playing or whatever league that you're in, you're always sitting in your driveway picturing those times where you got the puck and you're shooting on the net and you're picturing scoring that winning goal in overtime. Yes, a lot of it's for the Stanley Cup for your favorite NHL team, but just to have that moment, it was a very exciting moment for the Sioux Thunderbirds. And they will be... One of nine, uh, one of ten teams, rather, uh, that will be participating in the Centennial Cup. You can check that out on HockeyCanada.ca, the Sioux Thunderbirds website, and also on Facebook, uh, the Sioux Thunderbirds, their Instagram page. There's games that you can watch as well online. Uh, there, there's just all sorts of ways to make sure you keep uh, tuned with the um, the Sioux Thunderbirds at the Centennial Cup. The 
Hashtag Road to the Centennial is complete as Hockey Canada uh, uploaded and teams that are participating are the SFM Bruins, Junior A Hockey Club, Brooks Bandits, Flin Flon Bombers, Dolphin Kings, Red Lake Miners, the Sioux Thunderbirds, of course, Boyer Auto Group, Pickering Panthers, Junior A Hockey Club, Ottawa Junior Senators, uh, the Calais Francais du Languille, I most likely butchered that, and Summerside Western Capitals uh, will be the teams participating in the Centennial Cup. And, of course, Thunderbirds have a long history of being successful in the NOJHL. You can obviously date back to when the the Sioux Thunderbirds were participating in the Centennial Cup tournament back in 2012, um, which was at the time called the Royal Bank Cup. Okay, now name changes with the, with the tournament, of course. But Sioux Thunderbirds had a very good team that year. And a fun fact, as per SiouxThunderbirds.com, the Centennial Cup has been around since 1970, and no team in the NOJHL has ever had a chance to win it. Will this be the time that the Sioux Thunderbirds get the chance to go. They've been 0-2 in their first two appearances. They're now hoping to bring the national title home in their third appearance in the tournament. And they certainly have the team to do it, but there's a lot of good talent that it's going to be at that Centennial Cup. So make sure you check that out. Hockey Canada, make sure that they post it about it so you know it's going to be very competitive hockey. It's going to be enjoyable. So make sure you tune in to that. Well, we've hit 56 minutes and 45 seconds here. That means I'm 26 minutes and change over the allotted time, which means we've hit multiple overtimes here on the Games Sports Show with our Top Self Edition uh, Season 2, Episode 11. And we had a lot to get into, though. Okay, we haven't done edition since the beginning of the first round. There's a lot of feelings I had to let out and a bunch of nonsense and sentences. And I appreciate you listening to me, to me vent on the air about Toronto to an extent where I, yes, I am hiding back the yelling. I didn't yell. I didn't get mad. Maybe I'm hiding back a little bit of the pain despite the disappointment. I do appreciate you checking in on me to probably hear about that because I'm sure it's a lot of you which you wanted to hear. But I did talk about the second round, which I hope you enjoy. Make sure you comment below and let me know about your feedback and what you think about the second round, as well as the coaching vacancies. What do you think is going to happen? Lots going on in the National Hockey League. Definitely with playoffs going on, coaching getting removed. And if you're a Leaf fan, you have a lot going on mentally. Listen, I want to make sure that I let you know that if you're a Leaf fan, you want to grieve, you can reach out to me, all right? And there is a lot of exciting hockey to still watch, so make sure you do take the time to do that, uh, even if you are a Leaf fan. And that's just from the Game Sports Show panel. Will I, will I actually believe in the old medicine I'm selling with that? Probably not, because it is going to be difficult to watch, especially if you are a Toronto fan. But, again, it's been an enjoyable playoff to this current point, and it's going to be exciting going forward. And also... Congratulations again to the Sioux Greyhounds on a really good season, as well as congratulations to Thunderbirds on winning the NOJHL Championship, now representing the NOJHL and Sioux St. Marie at the Centennial Cup. We got into a lot, like I said. So that's why I am allowed to go into overtime. All right? And I, like I said, hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms of the Game Sports Show. Also, make sure you check out TGM, TGM Network YouTube channel as well for a lot of great podcast content, a lot of big things coming with that as well. Next upcoming editions for the Game Sports Show will be tomorrow, 1400 AM edition with Scott Nason, myself, Butch Davis, and the crew on 1400 AM. And we will also have a In the Pocket edition this week as well. And we will also have a Strike Zone edition within the next week as well. So we've got a lot of content coming to you. 
but also to make sure you note on Friday, we do plan to upload. It'd be Thursday or Friday at this time. We do have it pegged on our calendar to be on Friday, May the 20th, that we'll be uploading our next special edition upload, the first one in a month with myself, Brooksy, the interview with Jay Rosehale, former Flyer and Leaf. What an absolute, unbelievable episode that was. So electrifying. So make sure you don't miss out on that. I'm here to remind you, keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah.